Thank God, I just saw a very powerful idea today from Rav Moshe Davi Valeri. And this is in his commentary on, on the Torah. We're in chapter 5, going on the verse that the people who were immediately succeeding Adam Arishon, the first person, they're living hundreds and hundreds of years, close to a thousand years. What does this mean? That time itself is born from the tzimtzum, from the experience that Hashem created whereby He hid His annihilating presence from creations. That gives birth to time. In a place where there's no tzimtzum, where there's no hiddenness of Hashem, there is no time. That the level of Ein Sof, or the level of, infi- of pure infinity, of absolute infinity, past, present, and future are existing simultaneously. There's only time when you put limitations on the revelation of the absolute inf- eternal infinity. Time is a product of hiding eternity. Time is a product of of hiding eternity. And this is the beautiful answer to what the Pirkei Avot says that seems like an internal contradiction that everything is foreseen, but yet free will is given. Because when we say everything is foreseen, that's from the perspective of Hashem, who is above time. And at his level, where he is eternal, and there is no limitation on him, he is actually ever-present and nothing ever changed. So in that perspective, everything is totally foreseen before him. Everything exists eternally by him. However, from our perspective, where we exist within the experience of concealment of infinity, there we say that free will is given. Those who are inside the parameters of time, because they're within the constriction of the revelation of pure infinity and eternity, here's where we have free will. Which means that their experience of time is the process by which what has always been there, which is the eternal truth, how does that emerge into our reality where our reality begins that we don't see it? So the truth is, is that when we talk about free will, your free will is how do you go about revealing what has always been there? And that explains how we can have free will, yet Hashem sees foresees everything. When we say Hashem foresees everything, He simply foresees, in a way, we can say He simply foresees the inevitable conclusion that everything will be perfected, everything will be revealed. The free will is, how do you choose to reveal that? Because you exist within a space of concealment, thereby you exist within a space where it takes time to reveal what's always been there. And there's wherein lies free will. But from the perspective of what's actually always been present it's already been it's already been done 
Now this is even more fascinating. According to the descent of levels within the universe, according to the descent down the great chain of being, according to the descent down Sulam Yaakov, that Yaakov Avinu saw a ladder in his dream, and the ladder is a representation of the structure of the universe that we exist in a universe of successively lower rungs of existence, successfully lower levels of the chain of reality, what defines a lower rung on the ladder, what defines a lower level of existence, is to the extent that there's a expansion or an augmentation of simsum, according to the degree that there's, a, uh, there's an, ex- an augmentation and an intensification of concealment, which causes that time appears to take longer. This is so extremely significant. I, I feel like when I read this, it's like an extremely simplified way of explaining all of Torah, all of the Kabbalistic system. And that's an exaggeration, but it feels very true in a way. He's saying that the Kabbalists speak over and over and over about that these, there's this chain of existence there's this chain of being where you have successively higher worlds or successfully lower worlds. The Rav Dav, Moshe Davi Valley is saying, you know, you want to know what ultimately defines, and this is this is supported by things I've seen also in commentaries on Chavad Levavot. You want to know what ultimately defines um, where you are in the chain of being. It depends on how much the power of Simsum, how much the power of Hiding Hashem makes time appear to take longer. Oh man, oh man. If I could really explain that, that would be such a beautiful thing. Let's see what he means. Shechein Tirei, because look at this. He says, look at the lowest life forms. Look at the worms. Look at the bugs. They live for like six months because they're at the lowest level of the chain of being. That itself means that... that, What does it mean that their lifespan is so short? It means that their six months feels like an eternity. It's so deep what he's saying. Meaning the lower you are in the universe, the more a very small segment of reality seems huge to you. But the higher up you go in the chain of being, the more that vast expanses of time and space and energy appear very short to you. Why? Because you're at a level with much less constriction, much more contact with approaching infinity and eternity. If you're approaching infinity and eternity closer and closer, well then a whole lot more you can experience at once. Versus if you're going farther and farther away from the infinity and the eternity, well then the more that tiny little things appear huge and imposing and overwhelming to you. Because 
He says this, what he says right here is so brilliant. It's so perfect. He says, look at an hourglass, right? Those hourglasses where, you know, has anyone seen an hourglass? It's like there's two sides and the sand is falling down from the top of the hourglass to the lower part of the hourglass. It's, it's such a perfect image. I mean, it really is how they describe the Kabbalistic universe, that, which is the universe. It's also looking like a torus flow. If you want to go look up a torus flow, that what is it? That you have some sand, okay? And you're using this hourglass to measure the time it takes of an hour or a minute. So... You know what makes it that it takes the sand an hour to go from the top of the hourglass to the bottom of the hourglass? It's the constriction in the middle of the hourglass that if there wasn't that constriction that it's only a tiny little hole so the sand would fall right back down from the top of the hourglass to the bottom. But because now you constrict the space by which the sand can flow so now it takes time for the sand to flow from top to bottom. He says that's the shape of our world. That's the shape of the universe. And that's the serious stuff if you can understand that. The reason we experience what always has been as taking a lot of time is because Hashem set up the, the boundaries of the spatial boundaries of whatever metaphysics creates our experience. It's like a great hourglass that Hashem is pouring his light of what always was into our zone. But he's doing it like the way that sand flows down through an hourglass. He's putting constrictions upon constrictions upon constrictions of his flow of existence coming into our zone, like the way an hourglass constricts the sand flowing from top of the hourglass to the bottom of the hourglass. Well, you know what? That's what gives rise to our experience. Just as you can only sensibly measure time with the hourglass, so long as there is that constriction in the middle of the hourglass, so too you can only speak of our world where there's constant development in time and space through this power of constriction. It's an amazing image. It's so beautifully simple and therefore so profoundly powerful, the image he's giving. So profoundly powerful. And he's telling you that as opposed to a simple hourglass where there's really just one place where there's a constriction, okay, our world is set up where there's endless endless constrictions within constrictions within constrictions within constrictions within constrictions. I mean, trillions and billions and as, I mean, it's everything. So you can't name the number of constrictions, but Hashem's infinite light is pouring through this infinite, vast, interconnected chain of constrictions upon constrictions, hourglass within side of hourglass inside of hourglass inside of hourglass, inside of hourglass, on and on and on and on and on. That is ultimately what creates all creatures, all creations, all experiences. And that's the deepest thing in the world, because when a person is hitting a space of, of where his mind is opening up to infinity, where he's having a moment of divine inspiration, he's having a moment of Ruach HaKodesh, what he's actually experiencing is what he's experiencing is, is he's flying up the ladder. He's flying up these chains of hourglasses. He's going to spaces that exist 
where time is much less constricted, where there's a lot, where the, the, the hole, where the sand is pouring down is a lot wider. And that's what's amazing when we talk about higher worlds, upper worlds, what we're saying is we... Nachamal. So when a person is having higher and higher consciousness, he's having an experience right now where he is literally traveling higher and higher up into the hourglasses of the universe, so to speak, which are bigger and larger and larger and hold more stuff at once, hold more eternity at once, hold more time at once. Versus when a person goes lower and lower and lower, his experience is holding a lot and lot and lot less time stuff at once. This is pretty much exactly what the Kabbalists mean when they talk about moichin the continent. Small-mindedness, a state of emotional, spiritual, mental pain or constriction, like being stuck in Egypt, it's called small brains. What are brains? Brains is where the mind, where the consciousness of the soul is, is, is accessing and contacting more infinity at once versus constricted mind, constricted consciousness is precisely being stuck in the tiniest holes of the tiniest hourglasses where you're experiencing barely anything at once. It's the deepest thing in the world because again, from Hashem's perspective, there is no time, there is no constriction. The eternity that has always been will always be. That simsum, the constriction which gives rise to all of our reality is really a created through these this endless chain of worlds which are an endless chain of successively constricting more and more our contact with eternity. But the mitzvot and the Torah precisely give us access back into that eternity. Precisely hook us back up. Yes, in our physical bodies that are yes at the bottom of all those hourglasses. Yes, hook that all back up to the eternity and that the eternity can somehow fit into that just as a Shem somehow fit his infinite presence between the tiny space between the wings of the Keruvim the way that all the Jewish people would gather in the courtyard of the of the holy temple and somehow when they bowed down they all had space it's to bring you above space and time and more about more words than that will will take away from the power because at this point the analytical mind can't really grasp it anymore. You just have to let those ideas sink in. Baruch Hashem. But I'll just read his words a little more. Shima nekav hayaracha v'lo tzar lo hayem o'il klum l'shayar tazman b'kach shashir hazman nolad minat simsum That to the degree that the whole is smaller or larger to the degree that that space that's constricting the light of the Creator from coming in more or less, that is what defines the experience of time. The experience of time is created through how much is eternity being cut off and right now from flowing into your zone. And just as we say, that's an hourglass because its hole is so small that it takes an hour for the sand to fall. We say, well, that's a minute glass because its hole is bigger and it only takes a minute instead for the sand to fall in. So the measurement of time, this is the relativity of time. 
time is flowing at greater or lesser speeds depending on the metaphysical constrictions, how much are the metaphysical constrictions, which we call tzimtzumim, how much are they opening up to let the eternity in, or how much are they closing off to push the eternity out? That is what gives rise to time, but it's not just time, it's this item is at a higher level of the chain of being. He's an angel, or he's a super angel or an archangel, because he's he's in a realm of the of the spiritual universe whose whole, whose constriction, constricting Hashem's infinity, is larger or smaller. That's what makes him an archangel or not an archangel. Or or a even lower being or, or ultimately a human being in flesh and blood. Your flesh and blood in its degradation and that it's low and low, lower than the angels is precisely through these metaphysical processes which are constricting the infinity and the eternity of the reality of Hashem's light so much that it's only able to pour into a physical body that can last and live for 70 years, 80 years, maybe 120 years. The fact what gives rise to your fleshliness and your embodiedness is that which only allows a person to live up to 120 years. That's why there are many, many verses over and over at the beginning of the Torah that are talking about the gradual decreasing of the lifespan of of the human race. This one lived 950 years, then he lived 800 years, and finally Hashem, by the time he's bringing the flood, says, well, you know what, after this, they're really only living up to about 120 years. Yitzchak Avinu, because he was a great tzaddik, Avram Avinu lived 175, Yitzchak 180, Moshe, but Moshe, the greatest one, could only live to 120 years. That's the deepest thing in the world to understand that if you can understand that what literally gives rise to the fleshliness of your experience is what only allows so much time to flow into your zone, you'll understand so much. You'll understand so much. So just to let the Rob's, let the Rob talk, he says, these people at the very beginning of the Torah were living 900, 800 years, etc. And they were only having kids once they turned 100. Is because to them, 100 years was like to us, their 100 years was like a ninth of their life. So if, a, or let's just, let's just make it easy. Let's say they lived a thousand years, even though they didn't, which is fascinating. Because it says that the day of Hashem is a thousand years. Right? There's six days of creation, which creates 6,000 years of history. So there's this whole thing from the Pasuk that Hashem's day is a 1,000 years. So Adam was supposed to live a 1,000 years. He only lived into 930 years because he gave 70 of his years to King David, who lived out those 70 years. That's a whole cool thing. But these, these people at the beginning of history from the Torah, let's just make it easy and say they were supposed to live a 1,000 years each. Okay, And they're having kids at age 100. Well, guess what? Age 100 is the first tenth of your life. 
So let's say we're supposed to live 120 years now. So what's a tenth of 120? It's 12 years old, right? Yeah. So to them, having a child at 820 or having a child at age 100 is, would be like us having a child at age 12. Well, it's possible. It's, it's, I mean, it's socially unacceptable today, but two 12-year-olds could bear children, right? They could. In fact, halakhically, a, a, a female is just about the very beginning of her potentiality of having children at age 12, a Nara, and then a Bogaret. So the point he's saying is, to them, 100 years for them was like 12 years for us. But our 12 years, if we were to experience 100 of our years, even see, 100 of our years was only 12 of their years. A hundred of our years was only twelve of their years because their twelve years. This is the point. Their, their, really for them it was only twelve years. But we say a hundred years because we are understanding that within what they experience is only twelve. Twelve of our years, they experience the fullness of a hundred years, because they were living in a higher world with less constrictions. It's amazing, so amazing. So we'll leave it at there.